hello again and welcome in. Wherever you are today and wherever you're listening from, I'm so happy to have you over to feast upon God's Word together. Get your plate ready today and take a seat. It's the 44, which is Matthew 4.4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's eat. Jed Yancey here from the Central Church of Christ in Ocala, Florida. I want to tell you a story uh, to start us off today. It's a story that um, I stole, so this is not, not a story that I came up with. And I think it'll help to start this way because of where we're going and also because of where we will end. So the story goes that there was a young boy And each and every summer, he would spend his summer with his grandparents who lived along the coast. And his grandparents had a house that sat just a hundred yards from a cliff overlooking the water. And when the boy was 12 years old, he was outside near the edge of that cliff with his grandfather. And the grandfather that day took him to the very edge of the cliff and measured back a certain number of feet, and the grandfather drove a stake into the ground. And the grandfather that day introduced a new word into the vocabulary of his grandson, and that word was erosion. And what the grandfather did that day is he explained to his grandson that with the falling rain and the winds throughout the year, Uh, and, and weathering in general, that along the coast, every year, a little bit of that coastline would be lost. And so the next summer, when the boy came back, he went and he got his measuring tape. And he measured back to that stake that was in the ground that was still there, just like his grandfather said. What he found out was that a few inches of coastline had eroded. There was no more grass there. There was no more soil there. And and you never would have known that. You never would have perceived that. You, you couldn't have seen that happen if it were not for that stake being put into the ground. And then also, you wouldn't have ever known without a measurement. To be able to measure what had been there and what now was or wasn't and what was lost. You know, I think with that story, I I think on that word erosion. I remember hearing about this word, learning about this word in the early grades of uh, of science, right? Of our education, and you probably do too. It's a slow kind of fading away, a slow destruction. It's it's slow, it's subtle, it's silent. And in the example I gave you. I think on erosion, and while we know, like in the story, that erosion can happen in soil, I started to think, well, where else, from a really practical standpoint, can and does this word come into play? And I started to write things down like, you know, in our in our marriages, and in relationships, and my Christian walk and my following of Jesus. But but the one that I wrote down that I want to spend some time on today is the church, the erosion that can occur and happens in the church. You see, I've had this newfound side obsession lately uh, of going back to the early church. Those that were closest to the period of time when the church was built— 
and trying to figure out and asking some questions like, okay, well, what did it look like? What were they doing? Um, how tolerant were they of the things that were going on around them? How, how radical were these? Was there any erosion then? Tons of questions that, uh, you know, I've had that really stemmed, I think, from some articles I was reading a few months back on the erosion of the church, most especially as it pertains to de- denominational uh, churches that we're seeing in the news and out in the public. And, and really, one quote that I came across in my reading that piqued my interest and curiosity from an article on probably one of the biggest splits or fractures or forms of erosion here recently, and has been in the news, has been that of the Methodist Church. And you can read for yourself as to why and how that erosion occurred. But in one of these articles, as I was reading, I I took note of this quote, and it read this way. Begin quote. Throughout U.S. history, denominations have fractured and merged. And so, while this seems dramatic and unusual, it's actually just part of the evolution of religious life and religious organizations throughout the history of our country. End quote. Now, I'm not sure what your initial feelings would be about hearing that read, that quote, But my thoughts and my feelings about that had me wondering, man, is is this what God had in mind? Like it's just all a part of the evolution of religious life and religious organizations. Like all is well on God's end as we evolve and we cycle through and we erode and we fracture, we merge away from the stake that he put in the ground. I mean, he's the one, like the grandfather, that went out and drove that stake into the ground, didn't he? And yeah, I mean, in regards to the church, which is what we're talking about, yes, he did. And we can read about that stake that he drove into the ground in Matthew chapter 16, beginning there in verse 13. I know you guys are are probably driving or, or you're out walking. So I'm going to read this to you so you don't have to turn there. Uh, it's, it's a very familiar statement, a uh, very familiar part of our, our New Testament. But sometimes we don't think on it enough. So I want to do that today. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said back to him, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Listen to this, verse 18. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I think this is huge with 
where I want to take you today on the 44. And I really want you to listen to this one more time in verse 18. As Jesus says, upon this rock, upon the truth that he is the son of the living God, it's firm and it's solid. Upon this rock, I, Jesus, will absolutely, I will build my church. You know, that word my is really important for where we're going because that word my indicates some ownership. It indicates authority that the church would belong entirely to who? To Jesus. So let me stop right here. And I want to mention that in in many ways, the reason why the church in so many ways is fracturing and it's eroding is because men have tried to build a church on something other than this right here. All things that we've been warned about in Scripture, powerful personalities, don't build it based on man, don't build it based on human tradition or some new thought or some new idea. You build it on the truth which is that Jesus is the son of the living God. And then I think about that word church there at the end. I I will build my church. Now, I I know that you guys that are probably listening, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm talking to some people here that know that when we see the word church, we don't see building or pews and lights. What do we see? Or what should we see? But people, saved people, God's special people, people that are constantly taking measure of how close we are to that stake in the ground. And it's right there where I guess I I just don't get it. Like as we look at this stake in the ground and churches all over pull out the measuring tape and they measure back and back and back. Why does it seem like more and more we can read about or we see in the news that some take it upon themselves to keep going an inch at a time in the opposite direction until they end up as just a part of the fractured life cycles of church churches today that I quoted? Again, was that the intent behind God driving that stake in the ground and saying, this is my church? This is what it should look like. This is who it should be made up of. This is this, and that is that. We have all the answers to all the things. We even have all the warnings to all the things. So why is it that as a church, we can measure back, maybe see erosion, and yet just keep going? Better yet, why are we so surprised to hear of some out there that are fractured, as the quote described? My confusion and and also my newfound obsession with reading stuff here lately is really hand-in-hand with the question of why more churches don't try to go back and go back to that stake in the ground. Why even pull out the measuring tape if you aren't really going to go back to that stake in the ground, or go back to the church that he built. 
I guess what I'm saying is, why do so many continue to push forward under these false pretenses like one man or powerful personalities or some new thought or some new idea, all things, again, that we've been warned about and continue to do that instead of going back to right here? And maybe let me put it this way, and let me take you to my marriage. What if at this point of Megan and I being married for six years, we realize like, man, it's, it's just not good. It's really bad. It's rough. It's divisive. It's fractured. We've lost our love for each other. We've eroded. Well, how would you suggest if I told you that, that we set it back right? Would it make sense to go back? Like, Go back and remember and look on how that love even began. Wouldn't that do something for us? Wouldn't it do something for us to go back to that stake in the ground that was our union together? Like most of us would say, yeah, that's pretty good advice. Do that. And I think in much the same way in so many areas and and most especially in the church, Man tends to think we, man, in some places one man, knows what is best when it comes to something he, Christ, built. And I'm sorry, we, man, just do not. He gave us all we need to know about what that stake in the ground should look like And because we are human, we need not be surprised if we measure off only to find there's been some erosion, probably going to happen at some point. But in that case, we can't take it upon ourselves to do anything other than go back to that stake that he drove into the ground, go back to his word. Man, you know, I, I guess in closing, I hope that You thank God for the church, not your church, not some man-made church. I hope that you thank God for his church, the one that he built, the one that he is head over, the one that he gave his life for, and the one that he will one day come back to save. Thank you, Lord for how you prepared the way and you came down here and you put a stake in the ground for us to measure back to. You see, God's dream was always that that spiritual erosion would be avoided and that by finding that stake in the ground and taking that measurement carefully and confidently, and don't miss this, constantly, that that spiritual erosion would be prevented. You know, there's so many churches that we can read about that are in the public news that have eroded so far away from that stake in the ground. So many churches blindly following the wrong builder. So many churches getting away from God's inspired word. And instead, so many churches listening to man In fact, not man plural, but sometimes man singular rather than God. So many churches have become a place where they can go to make them feel good 
And they can, they can hear only what they want to hear. And what they've done is they've forgotten that long ago, God placed a stake in the ground, and that stake was the cross of his son who said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. Man, what a beautiful thing. And thank you, Lord, for it. You're 44 today to carefully, confidently, and constantly open up that measuring tape, God's inspired word, and measure back to that stake in the ground that is the cross of Christ. And may we never forget that it was and still is upon that rock that the church was built. I love you guys. As always, I thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.